Hey, what's up, everybody? It is still Sunday, May 1st, 2022, and welcome to the combat episode of the Now Mind You podcast. This will be episode 17. I'm TJ. I'm Matt. And this time, I'm going to be real with y'all. Your boy, due to some personal family reasons, I ended up missing uh, quite a few of the fights last night. I missed the entire UFC card. But we got our champion in Matt. He was eating cheese whiz. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> First of all, sir, what image do you have of me? <laughs> Second of all, like, like, wow. But no, thanks for breaking up some of that like down energy. I appreciate that. That was hilarious. Um, but uh, Matt came through as always, right? He's got uh plenty to talk about for us today right he's got uh valdez versus stevenson he's got taylor versus serrano both of those on the boxing tip and then he'll be going over quite a few of the main events inside of ufc fight night font versus vera with that being said i'm gonna let matt take it away and make sure you give matt his props whenever you listen to this because we (laughs) wouldn't have a combat episode today if it were not for him shout out matt go ahead my guy thanks man thank Mm -hmm. you um so the first fight I'm going to get into, which took place yesterday, was a title unification bout between Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson. Uh, we got Oscar Valdez, who is 31 years old, and he, at the time, was uh, one of the featherweight champions. Uh, he was, the at the time, the WBC featherweight champion. When you say at the time, it makes me think things aren't the way they were anymore. They are not. This is because, as I said, this was a title unification. Spoilers ahead. I mean, but then again, the fight was yesterday. Right, if right, right. If you're listening to this, it's Tuesday. <laughs> it's so right, old, right, right, time. right. Um, but essentially, what we had going on was there was a title unification where. Uh, Shakur Stevenson had the WBO uh, featherweight title and he was defending, he was defending that. And Oscar Valdez had his WBC title, which he was defending. So this was a title unification bout. And it was also for the vacant ring title. Now, just to give a little background on that, the ring title is, it can only be won in very specific conditions. And those conditions, more often than not, just to simplify it, I'm not going to go into all the details about it, but it has to be the number one and number two ranked fighter within uh, the ring's ranking system. So that was the only reason this belt was also up for grabs. Gotcha. Um, So, yeah, so we got Oscar Valdez, who is, uh, he was the Mexican-born champion that was uh, coming in there, 31 years old, and he was coming in against uh, young Shakur Stevenson, who's only 24, you know, a former Olympian. Um, He uh, walked away with the silver medal uh, in Rio back in 2016. You know, he won the gold in the uh, Youth Olympic Games. You know, he's won the Youth World Championships. You know, relatively, like, very, very well-seasoned, you know, athlete, considering the fact he's only 24. But, however... You know, he had a very, very good amateur pedigree. But Oscar Valdez also has a very good uh, amateur pedigree. He was um, a gold medalist in the Youth Boxing Championships for the AIBA. Um, He also won the Central American and Caribbean Games, won a gold medal in that back in 2010. 
um, took bronze in the World Amateur Championships, and he was a silver medalist in the Pan American Games. Mm. So this is also a guy who has had, you know, a lot of success. And, um, you know, he was able to also amass a 30-0 and record, which is a fantastic record to have in combat sports, regardless of what that combat sport is. And right. he put his 30-0 and record on the line against Shakur Stevenson's 18-0 and record. Now, Shakur had been calling this dude out for a while. Um, and Oscar pretty much, the only reason he gave, which was fair, was he wasn't interested in him until he got a world title. He said, when you have a world title, you know, then we can talk because for the majority of the time that he was calling him out, he didn't have a belt. You know, um, this is a guy who was already a world champion and had been a world champion like as far back as 2016 uh, where he won a vacant title and then he was able to defend the title multiple times, took some time off, moved up a weight class, and then he won another belt. Mm-hmm. Um, Shakur, you know, pretty much has just been on this, uh, not even though I hate this term, he's really just been on a meteoric rise ever since he's, you know, turned into the professional ranks. Um, just turning in whether either TKO or just tucking somebody in with just a really good, solid, unanimous decision of a boxing performance. Like Shakur Stevenson's strength is his technical ability. Mm-hmm. He is technically extremely sound. And I'm just going to get into it at this point. This fight happened, and this was a 12-round showcase of Shakur Stevenson's skills Mm. and how his skills were able to really just shut out Oscar Valdez. Oscar Valdez is a guy um, who is, like I I would very firmly say, he's, he's a very talented boxer. Um, you know, shit, he, he was 30 and 0 coming into this fight. Unfortunately, right. now he's 30 and 1, but that was his first loss. And right. this is a guy who's been in the professional ranks uh, for, you know, since 2012. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? What ten a run. Years, right? Like 10 years, yeah. like no he's, losses. He's a few months shy of, of a 10 year, 10 years running in boxing with no losses. I mean, the guy's first nine fights. Shit, really his first, he knocked out his first 10 opponents. Mm. First 10 fights he was in were all, first nine were TKOs and the, the third, uh, the 10th one was a KO in the mm-hmm. third round. Like this guy's, you know, he's a bomber for sure. You know, he has heavy hands. He's a guy that carries power late. You know, uh, he picked up, when he picked up uh, the WBC title, it was in like really a highlight reel knockout that he got last year over Miguel Burchell, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a fellow Mexican, but he just got it going backwards, throwing a, through a right hand while going backwards, TJ. Like, I need you to understand he KO'd this dude while he was moving back. That's some I type mean, of technique and power. That's not like flat. He, yeah. this wasn't like a, he hit him and then he wobbled. He went to the floor after that. <clears throat> like that guy took a nosedive. It was crazy. Um, but getting into the fight, right away we saw that there was a hand speed difference with Shakur Stevenson and Oscar. And there's a, a slight height difference. The height difference wasn't crazy, but based off how they fought, did it seemed crazy. You know what I mean? Oscar is 5'5", five, five, Shakur is 5'7", like I said. 
not really an insane height difference and not really a crazy reach difference either with Shakur having a 66 inch reach and um, I mean, having a 68 inch reach and Oscar having a 66 inch reach. So mm -hmm. it wasn't too much of a difference, but the way the fight was playing out, you would think the reach difference was crazier. Right. You know, um, Shakur did a really good job of just keeping him at mid to neutral range. And he just picked him apart really from that spot. And that's really Shakur's game is they really just keep you in the middle, keep you frustrated and utilize his boxing skills. You know what I'm saying? Um, this is a guy who moves his head very well. It's very, very reminiscent of uh, Floyd Mayweather. He draws a lot of comparisons to Floyd. And that's mostly just because of how effectively he uses the utilizes the Philly shell uh, technique. Right. Um, Shakur also is a southpaw, which, you know, creates uh, an advantage depending on who you're fighting. And, depending and on probably fighting. gives him some points in your book. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and to be honest with you, man, if you saw any round of this fight, you saw the whole fight. This was... Shakur just keeping him at distance, letting his hands go seemingly sometimes at will. Um, there were times where Oscar was able to get in and, it, you know, eventually it just became that the only way Oscar would be able to land anything is he would have to take one to give one. And some instances that turned into him taking more than one to give one. Mm. And sometimes that resulted in him not getting anything. And him mm -hmm. just taking it and not getting anything in return. Um, so it was like, I mean, really, really, I don't want to say masterclass, but it was definitely uh, a very one-sided fight. You know, we even got a knockdown from Shakur in the sixth round um, where he just caught Oscar with a hook while he was coming inside going, for, you know, while he was swinging and he was hardly kept up just by the ropes and when he turned around, Shakur hit him with another shot and he, you know, sat him down. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he was trying to say, hey, you know, ref, that was the case or whatever. Um, one one of the criticisms I kind of had, and this is, again, I'm just speaking objectively, Shakur was um, not playing to the ref because to say playing to the ref would be, that would be suggesting he was looking for help, but he was definitely looking for calls. Um, and he wasn't wrong. It just was like there were instances that things were happening and he would literally deviate and he would like look at the ref like, dude, are you going to do something about this? And um, the only reason I'm giving really any criticism for that is just in that instance, especially when you feel like the referee isn't doing what he should be doing. Like if you feel like the ref isn't really protecting you, which is his job. <sighs> Excuse me. Uh, where you feel like he isn't protecting you, which is basically his job. Um, you just got to fight. Yeah. There's nothing really you can do. This um, kind of reminds me of what you caught with uh, Errol Spence versus... Yeah. Um, Jordanas Ugas. Jordanas Ugas, yeah. Like where uh, Spence looked Crossed around his mouthpiece, for his yeah. mouthpiece and then was expecting the ref to stop it, but the ref didn't. Protect yourself at all times. Yeah, man. So that was pretty much the 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 fight was Shakur showcasing his boxing. You know, they, it kind of became a point where Oscar couldn't box with him. And uh, a friend of mine, uh, shout out Giselle Ortiz, uh, just because that's who I was talking to about it. She called something 
that Shakur said in the pre-fight on uh, some pre-fight interviews that he did where he said what's going to happen. He said the fight basically she told me basically the fight went exactly how he predicted it, which and she was right. And so was he um, in the regards to he said that he's just going to box him. And he said once Oscar realizes the difficulty he's having hitting me and that I'm hitting him, it's like he's going to mentally check out. And he's just going to just kind of be either throw caution to the win or he's just like just going to start throwing one at a time and just make the fight easier and easier for me to win. And that's sort of what happened. Um, eventually, Oscar was just throwing one at a time and he was just kind of trying to land the big shot, you know, and that was 100 percent how it was coming off um, as Shakur was just almost getting off combinations and things like that at will one twos one two threes going up and down working the body it just it seemed like it was a lot and you know he turned him around occasionally oscar would get some body shots off you know he found a little bit of success about you know midway through the fight throwing like a double right hand and things of that nature but it it wasn't it ultimately didn't lead to anything and like literally the last like 10 to 15 seconds of the fight, like Shakur just started running around the ring. Like the fight was still happening. And he just mm -hmm. was like jogging away from Oscar Valdez, just flexing to the crowd. Like, yo, I won this fight. You know, Dang. Oscar like swung at him, you know, like once or twice, like I'm not going to just let you celebrate, but right. you know, that was that they shook hands and everything right after, you know, they have respect for each other like men. And that was that. And, um, you know, so with that, Shakur became now the WBC, WBO, and ring featherweight champion uh, of the world. And uh, he proposed to his girlfriend right after the fight was over. And oh, so, wow. You know, shout out to him. Congratulations. Yeah, Hopefully she said yes. I'm assuming Yo, she yeah, said yes. Yeah, yeah, she said, she said <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, she said yes. So, you know, good for him, man. Good for him. Um, going into the next fight we had, um, we had Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. Um, so Katie Taylor coming into this fight was 20 and 0. Mm -hmm. And Amanda Serrano coming into this fight was 42 and 1. Um, she only took one loss, which is a unanimous decision loss that she got back in 2012. Um, she hasn't been super active. Um, she hadn't, at least hadn't been rather super active until uh, I really would say like the last few years. And that's just because of different things with like contract disputes and stuff. But, you know, she was, I'm saying super active by like her standards. Like if you're anybody who's like, like if you're an MMA fan and you know, like cowboy, like she was like that. Like she oh. was fighting like three, four, five times a year if she could, you know. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, like she would regularly fight about four times a year. Well, uh, is she good, healthy? Like, yeah, it's a lot of injuries potentially. Yeah, 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 potentially. But no, she's she was pretty good, man. Um, she's pretty good, to be honest with you. You know, she's had a she's had a very long and pretty fruitful career to be honest you know she's held titles in multiple weight classes you know what I'm saying if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken she's held titles in eight different weight classes and this was pretty much her opportunity to try to win the unified lightweight titles 
Um, and that was who she was fighting, which was the unified lightweight champion, Katie Taylor, um, who had has the WBA, WBC, IBF, WBO, and ring titles. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has every belt at the weight class. And this was an interesting fight, man. Um, oh, I'm sorry, not eight, seven. She was a seven division. If she would have won this, this would have been number eight mm-hmm. for uh, Amanda Serrano. This was an interesting fight, man. This fight took place. They were the main event. It was a Madison Square Garden. Shout out to the ladies uh, for having uh, a Madison Square Garden main event. And I mean, they were in the main room. They weren't in. Sometimes people have events at Madison Square Garden, but not a lot of people who don't know that there's more than one uh, room within Madison Square Garden. They have like sort of like a smaller theater-esque type of area. And then they have the actual arena. Mm-hmm. And um, they packed it out, man. They... You know, they were able to headline this card. It was actually a pretty decent amount of fights on this card. It was a pretty stacked card. Uh, you know, they put it together pretty well. But this fight, man, this was tough. You know, one thing that has been a, a consistent criticism throughout Katie Taylor's career has been uh, sort of her lack of challenge. And to a degree of that, to a degree that's kind of like... Uh, Sort of like the, you know, for our anime fans out there or our manga fans like that Ricardo Martinez effect, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like if I'm this much better than these other people, you know, what do you really want me to do? Mm -hmm. Um, And she's she's had like some really tough fights, you know, one of my teammates included. And this was, I would say if not her toughest fight, one of the top three toughest fights I've seen this woman have, you know, uh, including uh, with my teammate, Jessica. Amanda Serrano put it on her, man. She she did not come there to lose that fight. Um, she put her, not even possibly, she literally put her in the most trouble we've ever seen uh, her be put into. So uh, just to give a little bit of background on both fighters for those who may not necessarily be in the know, uh, Katie Taylor is like the golden child, basically. Um, she's 35 years old. You know, uh, this woman has essentially taken gold in every amateur competition she took place. She took part in and she took part in a lot of them. Um, she's only gotten bronze once, but everything that she did, she got gold. Like she's won the the European championships multiple occasions she won the UE I mean the EU championships the European games you know she got gold in the Olympics she's won the world championships this was a person like like since really like 2005 had just been crushing it on the boxing scene Mm. Um, and then she has transitioned that into what what's been like a super fruitful career um as a professional fighter, um, you know, currently signed to the zone and things like that. So she's really, you know, she's been doing her thing, but this is really a person that they, you know, she has all the experience. She has all the background. She has everything. And then on the other side, you have Amanda Serrano, um, you know, Amanda Serrano, 33 years old uh, from New York, you know, Puerto Rican, uh, representing like a very, she's even had like a little bit of an MMA career as well. You know, she also has a sister who was a professional fighter. You know, she's had, how many MMA fights? She had three. She had three MMA fights. 
and I think she I think she's like two and one, or she's like she won two and she got a draw on her other one. Probably I should have did a little more research on that. But um, this is also another person who's been around. This is a person who's been pro since two thousand and nine. And again, in case you missed what I said, her record was she came into this fight forty two one and one. Wow. Yeah. So she's had a wealth of you know experience in combat not to mention she's you know she's had some some grappling matches that she's done before you know she's dibbled in dibbled and dabbled in mma so this is a person who's just pretty well-rounded she's, all, she's about that smoke that combat smoke Let's just yeah put it that way. yeah if it, if this if this fights she had it you yeah. know what i'm saying there was even like it was even a time that she was like training to be a pro wrestler, but that that never what? necessarily panned out. I'm so serious. Um, <laughs> That's a nice fun fact. <laughs> no, I'm for real, man. Like Amanda Serrano, you know, she'd have been out here for real. Like, you know, she didn't, she did it, did damn near did it all. You know what I'm saying? Real time. Um, so, you know what I mean? She had even called out Ronda Rousey, like back in like 2015. You know what I'm saying? Back when it was like when Ronda was like flirting with the idea of coming to boxing and stuff like that. So, like I said, she's been around and mm-hmm. she's done all of this and she's only 33. Mm. Like that, I think that's also a very important thing to keep in mind. Like, uh, we're talking about a person with like now a total of 45 professional boxing matches. You know what I'm saying? Not including her having any MMA matches, not including her grappling matches like just that she's has has nearly 50 professional boxing matches you know what i'm saying that's Mm -hmm. experience like that's you can't teach the shit that either of these women have learned you know what i'm saying all of that comes from experience Mm -hmm. um getting into the fight man um somebody must have told them both that this was a main event because they certainly showed up and they performed um these women both showed that they have enormous heart. Mm. Um, the fight started off, I felt it was a little even in the first round. And then as we kind of got into the second and third rounds, I felt as though Amanda Serrano was kind of starting to get into the fight a little more. Uh, and what I mean by that is she was kind of starting to, to take, uh, I guess you could say control. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't dictating she wasn't necessarily dictating the pace but she, I feel like she was making Katie Taylor use her feet a little more than she typically wants to and Katie Taylor is you know an athlete if she's nothing else right right you know her whole the way that she fights is you know she has really good hand speed she uses her feet she's you know good at going getting in and out you know She'll zap you with like three or four really fast and then she'll cut to the side, she'll roll out, whatever, you know, whatever it is she needs to do um, in that scenario. That's typically what she does. She's a boxer, mm-hmm. you know, and Amanda's a boxer as well. But she has a little bit more of that brawler aesthetic to her for sure. You know, she's Amanda's not afraid to bite down on her mouthpiece, stand in the middle of the ring and swing. That's <laughs> what she will do with you if it right. comes down to it. And like I said, there was some criticism towards Katie Taylor about, you know, her toughness and her heart and things like that. And I'm going to tell you after this fight, those things will not be questioned again. Mm. Um, We're talking like Hamza level in terms of like, 
yeah. shut it down. Okay, bro. Let me tell you, the fifth round, in the fifth round, I thought Katie was done. I thought she was about to get stopped. Mm. She was put on unsteady legs. She was wobbled. There was a point where it felt like the rope saved her life, like kept her up in the fight. And I mean, it felt like Amanda just could not miss any punches. Mm. Um, I mean, she was really hammering Katie. Like we've never seen Katie Taylor be put in such a vulnerable position where she was just flat out. Like it was just, she was just getting beat up, man. There was nothing else to it. She just flat was getting beat up. Mm. Um, and this is kind of, I feel, I feel like it was a real turning point in the fight for both women because I felt like after round five that Amanda sort of took her feet off the gas, foot off the gas. Now, just to, just to uh, remind any listeners who may not know, uh, Female fights for championships are 10 rounds. They don't fight 12 rounds. They fight 10. Mm -hmm. So having your opponent hurt like that in the fifth round is literally um, only halfway through the fight. You still got five more rounds to go. And in the round six, it felt like Amanda took her foot off the gas. Like she didn't just run right after her. Not saying that she needed to get after her like she was shot out of a cannon, but I felt like she should have pressed the issue a little bit more. And it gave Katie Taylor an opportunity to get back into the fight. And as she was able to clear her head and really move her feet and just move around. And man, by the time we were getting closer and closer to the end of the fight, Katie had really fought her way back in. And then in this last round, they just both laid it all out, man. When they got mm. to round 10, I mean, they just let their hands go. They were just spamming the attack button. You know, um, these two, I mean, trading shots, like neck twisting shots Ugh. in the middle of the ring, just throwing straight punches. Katie was letting her hands go. You know, Amanda was letting her hands go. These girls just, they stood there. These women stood there. Literally, I would say the last like 15, 20 seconds of this fight, they just traded. Mm. They just traded. Um, they went back and forth. And ultimately, the the result of the fight was Katie Taylor came away with the victory in a split decision. Um, it was a huge fight. I think a lot of people were happy with it. I've heard some people saying they felt Amanda Serrano was robbed, um, offering my two cents, which you clearly care about because you're listening. Um, <laughs> I think Katie Taylor won. Um, I'm not, I can, obviously I'm aware of the fact that we're doing this show and stuff like that. Oh, how meta of me, but you know, like I can be objective, <laughs> Right. Right. And despite any history she may have with my team or my teammate or what have you, like if the woman wins the fight, she won. Right. And I felt like the turning point, oh, going back to that last round, I'm sorry. But you know what? No, I'll get to this and I'll get back to that. I felt like Amanda Serrano allowed Katie Taylor to get back into the fight. And I don't mean like, you know, like she threw it, but I just, I feel like, if she would have just been a smidge more aggressive, mm, she didn't I feel pull on like, the trigger. Yeah, okay. I feel like, or at the same time, you know, again, as I'm saying that she could have been more aggressive, I don't know what that took out of her to unload that many punches. Cause good call out. I'm not gonna lie to you, I was surprised Katie did not go down. 
Katie never even dropped. Like, now she didn't even get a knockdown. She stayed standing. There was a moment in that 10th round. She literally, like, was battering Katie. I felt like she won that 10th round as well. Mm -hmm. But, like, to the point, Katie's knee buckled, like, to the point that she did a lunge, bro. Like, it was like she did a lunge. Her knee just just barely didn't hit the ground. Mm. And she That's still That's on some Hajime no Ippo. Oh, yeah, bro. Like, it was, it's 100% where it went. Like, she stayed on her feet and continued to swing. Like, mm. I was just like, yo, this was, it was insane. Like, they both ended up getting cut and things like that by the end of the bout. But it was just such a tough fight. Um, my issue I had with the fight, I didn't feel like it was, I didn't feel like anybody was robbed. I just felt like the cards were a little wild. Um, because the cards read out 94, 96 Serrano, 97, 93 and 96, 93 for Taylor, which to me just seemed really excessive. I could totally see. 94, 96 the other way, but 97, 93, especially for a person who like in two of those rounds very nearly was about to get packed up. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't as if this was some super one side, ultimately the correct person won, but it's just when you see the numbers, you know what I'm saying? And that's Sometimes I can be a little bit of a stickler about stuff like that. Look, the right person won, they won, whether it's by one point, two points, three points, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, I think even, and that might just be the fighter in me, like, I just get kind of get caught up on that. It's like, man, I, there was just no, it wasn't 97, 93 in either direction. I wouldn't even, if they would have said Amanda Serrano had a 97, 93 round, I'd have been like, uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I just didn't feel that way. Um, but I digress. Ultimately, it was a great fight. It was a huge fight for female boxing. It was a huge fight for boxing. Uh, it was a, a huge event. We had a decent amount of people that turned out. <laughs> uh, there was a decent amount of people that turned out, man. It's all good. Um, and I, ultimately, the spectacle and everything was there. I thought it was a great fight, and I was... More than anything else, I was happy to see that they performed and they performed at such a high level. Um, it, it just was a great fight, man. It was a it was a great fight. If you can, you know, go out your way to to try to find that fight. If you got the zone, lucky you, you can just watch it again because uh, uh, they laid it on the line, man. Uh, that was a great fight. Um, and then finally, I'm gonna jump over into our UFC card, which was Marlon Vera versus Rob Font. Um, Marlon Vera and Rob Font out the gate was a fight that just screamed main event. Mm. Um, this fight actually, if I'm not mistaken, started out being a part of a different card and they separated it and allowed it to be its own main event. Um, because that's really what it was, man. Um, surprisingly, right? When I was not necessarily doing research, but you know, surprisingly, just a fun fact about this fight: this was Marlon Vera's first uh, five rounder. Really? Yeah. Uh, with uh, being, you know, uh, like twenty-seven fights in his career, this was his very first five-round fight. He had never, never been in a main event, never fought a five-rounder. Um. Anyway, let me get into it. So. We had 
Rob Font, who really has been on a tear at Bantamweight, um, or had been on a tear, you know, with the TKO of Marlon Marais uh, and the super sound defeat of uh, Cody Garbrandt that he put up just last summer. And um, he was actually coming off of a, a decision loss to Jose Aldo and what was honestly a really close fight that they had uh, this past December. And Marlon Vera is coming off a win uh, from a very vicious KO front kick win that he got off of Frankie Edgar mm. um, in November of last year. Um, he's another guy who common opponent they have is Jose Aldo. He actually lost to Jose Aldo as well. Another person who lost that decision, Jose Aldo still got it. If anybody is curious about that, but I, I won't get on my Jose Aldo horse right now. <laughs> um, that's my man though. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jose. So, you know, um, mm. anyway, getting back into the fights and getting back into the fighters. So on one end we have Rob Font. Rob Font, like I said, it's kind of been seeing this rise in uh, at the Bantamweight weight class. He's been doing really well. Um, five foot eight. Um, you know, he has like a 71 and a half inch reach, typically fights in an orthodox stance, but he does stand switch as most guys in MMA do. Um, you know, uh, another uh, another Massachusetts guy, and he's part of that uh, that New England cartel team that, um, oh, what's this other guy's name? Another part, it's quite a few UFC guys are, are part of the, the New England cartel. I'll just say that because uh, I don't want to drag people out with the uhs trying to remember this other gentleman's name, the guy on his team. And then on the other end, we have Marlon Vera. Marlon Vera is five foot eight, has a 70 and a half inch reach, and he's 29. So just a little bit younger than Rob, um, Rob being 34, Marlon being 29. And this is a guy who has been in the UFC for a while, since 2014. Um, Marlon Vera has been around. And we've, I think we've really kind of been seeing more than anything, he's kind of grown up within the UFC. Um, he's started out at a featherweight and, you know, he moved down to bantamweight. And he's kind of played around featherweight off and on, but for the most part, he's been bantamweight, right? And this is a guy, like I said, he's been in the UFC since 2014. Rob made his UFC debut, ironically, the same year. Um, but Rob Font is just not a person that you would necessarily associate with being in the UFC as long as, um, as long as Marlon Vera. But that was because he had like pretty much a lot of contract issues. And then he had uh, some injuries that he had to deal with. And really these last two, three years have just been him kind of getting back on his horse, mm. going from fighting, you know, two to three times a year to, you know, uh, he fought December, 2018. And then he didn't fight again until December, 2019. And then he didn't fight again until December of 2020. And then he didn't fight again until that Cody Garbrandt fight, which was in the summer of uh, last year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's just kind of now starting to get in, getting a ways where he would be able to fight a little more consistently. And um, at the time, you know, at the time of this recording, Rob was ranked within the, within the, the top 10. And he was really looking to kind of take that rank and take a spot for Marlon Vera and, 
really just get his opportunity to to be the man at Bantamweight because what are what are any of these guys doing this shit for, right? Right. You know, what are you even here for if your goal isn't to be, you know, the number one guy? So Rob was trying to defend his number five spot for Marlon Vera, who was currently ranked at number eight. Um, this fight was insane. This fight was another main event that delivered. Um, and it was definitely a fight that if you know anything about these two guys, you knew they were both going to come to fight. There was no way that this fight was going to be anything short of entertaining just because of who it is. Um, what we get in the first round is that trademark volume that you mm. get from a lot of the New England cartel guys. Um, Rob Font was letting things go right away. Rob Font's main weapon, his biggest strength is his jab. And again, the New England cartel guys, these guys are like sort of boxing heavy. Not, you know what? I won't say boxing heavy, but everybody there, their hands are really good. They mm -hmm. have like very, they have very educated hands. I'll say that. It's kind of like, to me, it's like, like the early, like the early Mark Henry days of like those guys would go and train with him and like their boxing would just ramp up like mm -hmm. outrageously, like they're striking. So Rob was getting the jab off a lot. He was starting to land shots. And it seemed like Marlon, who was notoriously a very slow starter in the first round, seemed like he was kind of trying to figure it out. Um, not necessarily the speed, but, you know, getting the timing down and what are some of the attacks your opponents likes to do, things like that. But eventually it seemed like he was kind of having a hard time keeping up with Rob. As, like I said, Rob was starting to let his hands go. Um, but one thing I was noticing is he was letting off a lot of shots. He wasn't landing a lot of shots very clean. Mm -hmm. um, not to say that he wasn't landing shots at all, but some shots were flying off the elbow. Some shots were, you know, being grazed. Marlon would roll some of them, but he wasn't really getting hit clean that often. However, the output was there. I mean, the output was there. First round, Rob Font threw 100 strikes. Dude. You know what I'm saying? So these guys, you know, that was seemed like the plan was to keep Marlon Vera on the back foot. And. You know, not really give him an opportunity to do the things that he wants to do, um, which is press forward, stay in your face and really kind of get you into those some of those clinch situations, really work on the inside with those elbows and knees. Marlon Vera's you know, his dirty guy. You know, and I mean that as respectfully as possible. Um, it just was, it was insane. You know, that was the game plan. And what happened was, despite the output, it wasn't as effective as Marlon's output. Marlon did not let off his hands nearly as much as Rob did, but the damage that he was doing with the strikes that he was landing was trumping whatever Rob Font did. I mean, you know, TJ, I sent you a video after the mm -hmm. fight was over, and it was like Rob Font didn't even look the same after that fight. And these two people, even in the same fight, <laughs> yeah, it didn't look like they had even fought each other, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, it was, it was staggering, really brutal. Yeah, yeah, it was really brutal. Um, so I, I gave that first round to Rob. And then the second round was when Marlon was starting to land counter shots. He was starting to do damage. And it was in the second round, Marlon landed a counter jab that you could tell actually hurt Rob. Just because the way that he reacted, um, 
when the jab landed, his shoulders kind of hunched up and he shelled for a second. And then it was just like, oh, that was like a shock to his system. And you saw immediate swelling around his eye. Like instantly, it mm. was almost immediate. And not too much longer after that, Marlon, you know, he was starting to kind of feel a little more confident, was starting to press forward. And he does a jumping knee, hits Rob directly on the chin, like damn near on the point of the chin. You know what I'm saying? And puts him down. He jumps on top of him, tries to go for that finish. And um, Rob is surviving, man. Rob's holding on to that leg. Um, you know, he's holding on to that ankle, kind of tucking his head. And, you know, Marlon gets loose. And at the end, that was kind of about the end of the round. So the round ends. This next round starts up and the referee literally is like pushing Marlon back. Like, dude, get back. I'm not going to start the fight until you move back. Because Marlon was ready to go. I mean, like, he was chomping at the bit, man. He's like, if he was a dog foaming at the mouth, he couldn't have been hungrier to get mm. out of Rob Font, man. And he kind of persisted and he stayed right in his face, kind of tried to put it on him. And Rob picks up the volume. Every time it seemed like Rob was kind of out, it's like, man, it looks like he's getting tired. But yeah, here's a four punch combination. Here's another four punch combination. Here's a three punch combination and then a four punch combination. I mean, Rob's boxing was beautiful. He's going up and down, letting off uppercuts, getting, he was landing some quality body shots. And, um, you know, the one of the weapons they were saying that Marlon needed to land was his kicks. Kind of in a way that Rob revolves a decent amount of his offense around the jab and the activity of the jab and how often he can land it. That's sort of how Marlon Vera is when it comes to kicking. Mm -hmm. You know, kicks are really his thing. If he can start getting his kicks going and the rest of his offense is, it just kind of becomes more lethal. Um, you know, he was chopping a little bit at that leg very early on and that was something that he kind of persisted with as the fight went on and he would landed some good body kicks and then he landed a head kick that put Rob on skates and Rob ended up on his back again and Marlon jumped on top of him and uh was really able to land some very good ground and pound was able to get some good elbows off and I mean really good elbows um off like towards the end of the round and kind of cut Rob's face up a little bit and this was now two rounds now now we're going into round four and at the ends of round two and three Marlon Vera has put Rob down with a, a head strike right and we pick up round four Rob Font, like, I mean, Jesus, King Kong size balls, like enormous heart, <laughs> just immediately is like right back on it. This guy was not cowering. He wasn't backing down. He wasn't like trying to run away. You know, obviously he would move a little bit. You know, the, I'm not one of these people that believes like, oh, yeah, just bite down on your mouthpiece when you hurt. No, man, be smart. But like, right. this guy was brave, man. I mean, he stayed in it. And was still, and I mean, was throwing with heat. He wasn't throwing stay away punches. He was throwing some heat. Like, he was going for it. Right. And um, it was working pretty well for him. And then this dude, Rob, not Rob Font, this dude, Marlon Vera, throws what literally looked like the sweet chin music. Like, he threw a straight sidekick to the face. Like, got the step in and everything. And just <laughs> put Rob right on his back. And... When Rob went down, 
Marlon just kind of stayed standing over him and just was throwing leg kicks and didn't really engage because Rob was kind of laying on his back in that kind of full guard position and throwing kicks, kicking at the knees, kicking at the legs, just to kind of keep Marlon away from him. You know, just was playing keep away. And they, after doing that, which I felt for way too long, uh, Jason Herzog, the referee, he stood them back up. And then, you know, the, the fight continued. But at that point, it was only a little bit of time left at the end of the round. And that was another round I would just say you got to clock in for Cheeto. And right. the last round, again, Rob Font just wearing his heart on his sleeve or on his gloves in this case. And he went out there and, you know, he fought like a guy that knew he was losing the fight and mm. knew that he didn't want to lose his number five spot. And I mean, man, TJ sat on his mouth, sat down, bit down, really was throwing some heavy shots, but it was just taking more and more damage. And it was like round five was all Marlon Vera primarily. Rob was letting his hands go, but like Marlon landed a nasty body kick, just barely didn't finish him with a head kick, Um, you know, because he blocked it. But there's only so much of a head kick you can block with a four ounce glove on your hand. And right. your actual hand, like right, impact right, right. is still a thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was taking strikes and it just seemed like, like I said, like it, it seemed like 10 of Rob Font strikes equaled one of Marlon Vera's. Um, there also to be noted though, was uh, a problem where Rob did miss weight for the first time in his career. Um, and instead of he didn't make the the 135 weight limit. So there definitely was some. Did the purse get docked? Oh yeah, yeah, they always do that. Um, but you know, there was definitely some questions about whether his cardio would last, and maybe it was just as hard. I don't know, but his cardio definitely lasted. You know, that whole fifth round, he stayed on his feet, and I mean, he was active. Like I said, he was letting his hands go. This guy did not stop. Um, but ultimately, at the conclusion of the fifth round, uh, what we got was. Marlon Vera winning by unanimous decision, um, taking what what I'm going to assume is going to be taking Rob Font's um, number five spot once they update the rankings. And, um, you know, obviously they asked him to call for his shot after, and he just said, you know, I'll take literally anybody ranked four, three, or two, or even one really for that matter. And if we're doing that, then that would mean he's asking for Corey Sanhagen, Jose Aldo, TJ Dillashaw, or Peter Yan. All of which would be extremely entertaining fights. And if I can say, if I can call one for myself, I would love to see him fight Corey Sanhagen. Mm. Um, I, oh God, I would love that fight. I would love that fight. Well, what's on the pay-per-view next week, dude? Well, my guy, I'm glad you asked. Because oh, speaking last, of fights, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. My bad. No, 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 no. I was just going to say, ultimately, just to go back to, uh, just to go back to the numbers real quick on the Marlon Vera fight, the Marlon Vera and Rob Font fight. Rob Font threw a total of 520 strikes. What? Uh, yeah. Did he? Th- is that a record? 
That might have been, honestly. I probably should have looked into that. But he threw, and the total of the fight, he and threw. five rounds, dude? That's like a, averaging 100 per round. About 100 punches around, yeah. Well, 100 strikes around, yeah. He threw 520 strikes. Uh, he threw 516 of those were significant strikes. Five. And he, got, he was able to secure one takedown. Uh, I mean, and again, like if you look at the numbers on this fight, you would be like, how did Marlon Vera win this? If you don't look at the knockdowns, mm-hmm. because Marlon Vera's total strike count was like 291. He didn't even hit 300. Like this dude outstruck him by over 200 strikes and mm-hmm. he still lost like handedly. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was crazy. It was just wild to see that. Um, but next week, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, what a banger we have next Saturday. We got UFC 274, which we will be covering with the main event. What's the main event, TJ? Charles Oliveira versus Mm -hmm. Justin Gaethje. For the lightweight title. We got a strawweight title fight with Carles Barza and Rose Namahunas. There's a ton of history there. Mm-hmm. We got Tony Ferguson and Michael Chandler. Another fight low-key with some history. I didn't think that was on the card. Oh, it is. We got Shogun Hua. Sho- Wait, Shogun's still fighting? He's about to fight OSP at light heavyweight. And we got Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. Oh, we only Joe Lozon. We only got fighters in here, man. This this card should deliver. Hey, some people might violence, die. Violence <laughs> has been selected. Some people might die. Violence <laughs> was, was like, chosen. Yo. They took the violence and they just dialed it up. I so, mean, yeah. <laughs> If you add a Diaz brother, like, I mean, it's man, just like, yeah. it's like all scrappers. Man. It's like, just all bangers. <laughs> and uh, next week, we also have Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivol, which mm. I will also be covering. That is going to be a massive fight. Um, and we're going to see if Canelo can pick up another belt in another weight class or if this time he bit off too much. So we'll see because Canelo seems to be seems to think he's Takamura and he's just working his way up the weight classes to mm. win championships. And I wouldn't put it past him, you know, based off the the run he's got, but yeah, I think he he's getting a little, he's cutting it a little close. You know, he's only got, if he gets it here, then the, the only things left would be cruiserweight and heavyweight. Mm. Um, and we'll see, you know, you never know, but that will conclude our combat sports episode this week thank you guys so much for checking us out as always follow us at the now mind you pod and check us out wherever you get your podcast kind of like you're doing right right now (laughs) tj where can they find you uh they can find me at matt hambrick you know what it is no (laughs) but at tus four underscore skate uh that's t-u-s-s number four underscore s-k-a-t-e but real talk uh please give matt his props because we wouldn't have a combat sports episode this week if it weren't for him so if you're you know on the gram or whatever platform matt's on everything just hit him up say thank you just say you appreciate it because i do <laughs> you know what i mean like I you came in clutch you. man and uh shout out to our discord too 
If you want to get in on this Discord, just send us a DM. We'll hook you up with the invite link. Or we might just throw it up on our page at this point. I don't know. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, might yeah. just put it might up. Well just all up, up in the jam. Like, see, you know, see how y'all feeling. Chance, chance to chat with us like semi-live. You feel me? Uh, but yeah. that's all I got, man. Matt, please continue closing it out. Yeah, man. Thanks for checking us out. Follow us at Now Mind You Pod on wherever you get your social media. You can follow me at M-A-T-T-H-A-M-B-R-I-C. TJ told him where you can find him. Uh, Next week, we will be covering UFC 274, as well as we will be covering Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivol. Also, I want to give a big shout out to my two teammates, um, Mariano Sandoval and my boy Maximus uh, Salinas who both won last night at their high school for the Mount Carmel fight night. Hey, congratulations to both of them. Max got his TKO in the first round, and Mariano won a decision. That's right. My boy Mariano, freshman in high school, beat a junior in high school. Y'all know what time it is. Dude. (laughs) Yo, he's going to mess around and become the boncho for his high school. (laughs) Man, I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's awesome, man. Congrats to the team. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm super proud of those two. Yeah, you guys did a good job, man. Shout out to them. Yeah, man. You guys enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for checking us out. And we will see you guys next week to talk about more violence. Don't forget to pay your rent. (laughs) Man, hey, yeah. Don't forget to do that for sure. All right, y'all. On that note, peace out. Peace.